Hello, and welcome to the Comedic Collective Podcast. This podcast is a dialogue between Adam Stone, Byron Hazley, and Steve Kerwin, often joined by informative guests through all walks of life. It's very informal, but very informative, and we're never quite sure where the conversation will lead us as we're talking about racial and socioeconomic inequality in our nation. Due to our national footprint, we're connecting through Zoom, so keep that in mind when you hear the audio. If you'd like to submit a question or topic, please do so by emailing us at info at thecommittedcollective.org on our Facebook page or connecting with us on Instagram at the underscore committed collective. Hey, everybody. This is Adam Stone with the Committed Collective podcast. Got Steve Kerwin and Byron Hazley here. Steve, how you doing? Adam, I tell you what. We're we're all back together. It's me, you, Byron, how it should be. We've been along. We've been away from each other for far too long. I feel like it's like a, a family reunion and my favorite cousins just showed up and now we're just gonna sit in, in the corner. <laughs> just cousins. So, That's super, all we get super excited to be. <laughs> hey, 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 I'll take cousin status. That's fine with me. <laughs> Byron, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. As as Steve alluded to, it's really nice to be back on. We took that uh, month off, handed it off to the board, the the women of the board for Women's Month. So it's nice to be back. Yeah, man. How are you doing, Adam? Let me ask you that. I I feel like I never ask you that. How are you doing, Adam? (laughs) I'm doing great. You know, I can't complain too much. Yeah, the 2021 National Championship Michigan Wolverines are celebrating the national title they just locked up uh, about a week or so ago so i'm very excited for that and i am just you know just enjoying everything right now and i i don't want to hold up too long because we have a great guest on tonight and i'm just excited to have this conversation i was telling her before the show i've never talked to a family therapist before i don't want to give it away too much but byron maybe uh, if you want to introduce our guest yeah absolutely um Happy to have this guest on. So I've known her. She's an Adrian College alum, just like myself. I've known her. Well, I guess, geez, I don't want to age myself, but we'll just say double digit years now. Um, so it, it's been a pleasure. She's doing all kinds of things, fighting for social justice on the everyday trail. And I'm really honored to have her on this podcast. Dr. Brianna Toddy, how are you doing? I am doing well. Thank you uh, for that great introduction. I was telling the uh, other guys before we started that I am super flattered to be doctor, um, but I am not a doctor. So, I mean, it sounds nice with my name, but... uh, (laughs) Yeah, I am not a doctor, but thank you, though. <laughs> oh, my apologies. <laughs> masters, masters, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could put it in the universe, maybe yeah. one day. It's yeah. coming. It's yeah. coming. <laughs> um, but yeah, Speaking I'm honored to be here. Right. Thank you. <laughs> no, but tell us a little bit more about yourself, Brianna. You, like uh, Byron mentioned, you are an Adrian College graduate, but and you have your master's degree. Um, tell us more about what you do as a family therapist, you know, where you're located. Yeah. So, uh, I am a licensed and marriage, um, family therapist in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Um, and I have a private practice in, uh, Pittsburgh. Um, I think I've been in private practice now for 
maybe about three or four years now. Um, and uh, I see um, all types of people, but uh, families, um, couples, individuals, um, where we talk a lot about um, different traumas that they've experienced, um, a trauma-based therapist. Um, and so we talk about traumas um, and also um, how people show up in the world. That's the work that I do is we talk about how people show up in the world and how they um, want to show up as the best versions of themselves. And so I am, I love the work that I do. Um, it's rewarding. So let's dive a little bit deeper there. So the field that you're in, is this something that you felt you would do your entire life? Or is this something that as you like, maybe you took a course that put you towards that? What was it that led you into this field? Absolutely. Um, I think that at, at, during my time at Adrian, I was in, uh, I forget what the program is called, uh, McNair program. And um, I had the opportunity of doing some research um, around black families. Um, and particularly Black marriage. And so um, that was, I think, really instrumental for me around um, maybe pursuing a master's degree in therapy. Um, I think that, you know, just relationships, um, I've always, I think, thought about relationships on some level. Um, and so um, with a nice push from um, Italy Feliciano, at uh, Adrian College uh, in the multicultural department. She really kind of uh, helped um, push me towards that um, that endeavor. And uh, I ended up at Seton Hill University in their marriage and family therapy program. And uh, here I am now. Um, so it's been a wild ride, but uh, I'm here. So that's kind of how I got started. I know we're going to dive into to you know some of the racial um, issues that that you're attacking, but I have to ask: Is there any truth to the rumor "happy wife, happy life"? Do you do you believe that that is a, uh, or was I just told that before marriage as a way for my wife to just get almost anything she wants? So, like Adam said, I've never also never spoken to. Uh, a marriage counselor. So I figured if you want to debunk that right now, um, I'm going to stop my feet upstairs when we get done and demand she goes and buys me flowers. So I'm just, I'm just curious on that. Listen, I am not responsible for anybody's divorce. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I am going to say, if that is what you heard, uh, you definitely could not go wrong with that. Okay. <laughs> um, but also reciprocity. There <laughs> so, we go. I'm just kidding. I, I love my wife. We've been married a long time. So I just had to ask though, if that's, if there's truth to that. So Brianna, getting into what you do on a, a daily basis, you work with families. What does that mean in terms of interacting with different groups and, and what's your day-to-day -day like in terms of being a family therapist? Mm -hmm. So I think, I mean, I, um, working with just different individuals, but um, I've been what they call systemically trained, which means I um, am trained to think about individuals 
um, from a broader, more collective view. And so when uh, either individuals, families, couples come into my office, um, they typically give me like a problem. They, they're like depressed or they're having relational problems. Um, but then we kind of begin to peel back the layers and we find that, you know, maybe there are some traumas stemming from childhood or maybe there's some complicated relationships with mom or with dad or with um, some other type of sibling that um, that's being recreated um, in their current relationships uh, and um, in a lot of maybe what's going on with them now. And so we go really slow and we really kind of talk about all types of relationships um, because we're not just individuals. We're uh, connected, right? We are a collective group. Um, and so we can't just take one individual out of the collective. Um, to understand the individual, we have to also understand the larger group and the larger systems that we're involved with. Um, to get a better approach. And so that's what I do on a day-to-day basis, really, um, is talk about those relationships, um, good, bad, and indifferent. Um, and also the relationship with oneself. I think that's huge, right? Um, and different identities, different aspects of oneself as well. Let me ask you, obviously, 2020 changed everybody's life completely. And I know we kind of briefly talked on this before the show, but now sitting here in 2021, are there things that you're seeing? Not, not COVID's not over, but now issues people are facing coming off of the COVID year 2020 that we kind of had um, that you're seeing a pattern with that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 2020 was a shit show. Um, in a lot of ways, like it lightly to put it lightly, (laughs) yeah, it was a shit show, and so, um, I mean, people are dying, people are being murdered, people are losing their jobs, people's health. So, you know, people are stuck with their families and stuck, you know, with maybe spouses where you know they kind of got a little break during the workday and now they're forced to really deal with their marital status and and the issues that come along with that um the kids are having stress and so it it just felt like it was so compounded um with the individuals that I saw um you know and just the experience you had the personal experience of what these individuals were going through um, but then also the collective experience just around the anxiety uh, that we were having as a society, not knowing, not understanding this pandemic, um, you know, people were scared, people were burnt out, people, um, you know, it was trauma upon trauma um, for a lot of people. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I, I think of it, everything was magnified. It yeah. still is. It still is magnified. Yeah. So 
with that said, you know, I'm just thinking about, you know, there's in the black community, there's a stigma kind of around therapy. I feel like a lot of people put a stigma around like, oh, you got issues. You're seeing the therapist. You got issues. Whereas, you know, people should have the opposite thought process of that where you should actively seek out someone to have a conversation with. Um, so what kinds of challenges given everything that happened in 2020, were you seeing like an increase in the black community? Were they coming in? Is this something that the stigma is starting to break down? Mm-hmm. I definitely see a stigma, the stigma just around, uh, Black folks and uh, other people of color not attending therapy. Um, I think that has started to shift. And I think that if anything, 2020 really highlighted um, the importance of mental health. And, um, you know, mental health, but also the impacts of white supremacy. And so a lot of the people of color um, that came to me last year, um, uh, we were talking about that. We were talking about, you know, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor in real time. We were talking about the protests. We were talking about, um, you know, voter suppression. We were talking about all of that stuff. Um, because I think that, you know, people of color, because of the, um, extensive trauma history that we just kind of carry as people of color. I think we've been taught and conditioned, right? That um, to be strong, one, right? Um, And to have it all together, right? And just to kind of push through. Um, And I think 2020 wasn't having any of that. Um, And so it really forced, I think, a lot of people to stop um, and to kind of reevaluate. And so I, I saw a lot of people of color starting to be like, yo, I'm inhabiting a lot of white space and it's suffocating me. Um, or like I'm having, you know, just a lot of anxiety about my son riding their bike down the street. Like, you know, and just kind of unpacking all of this trauma and the anxiety um, because Black folks was hit worse, you know, by COVID um, and this pandemic. Um, people of color, right? Like, it, you know, it's systemic oppression um, that just kind of trickles down and 2020 enhanced that shit. Yeah, I think you made a, a great point there, Brianna, in terms of how some of these things aren't brand new, but they just got enhanced and highlighted through 2020 and the issues that we have in our society, you know, both at the, the healthcare side, but also economically. And it, from your perspective as a therapist, how did that change your approach to dealing with families, you know, not only having to go remote, you know, for a lot more situations, but also having a lot of those issues come to the forefront? Did you, um, did you see a change, like you were talking about with answering Byron's question, did you see a change not only from their approach, but also with your approach? Yeah, I think everybody's approach was different. I think, um, you know, people of color, they were just more open, right? Like they were like, yo, I need help. I need support. Um, 
And so that made it, you know, that made it easier, right? In my in my line of work, right? When people are kind of ready to kind of get the support and ready to kind of start healing. Um, but also, you know, I think for therapists, it this is probably one of the only times in history where I'm experiencing the same stuff that my clients are. Um, and <laughs> like in real time. So, so that made it, that was um, a very different place to be in as a therapist and a very um, humbling kind of experience because I'm trying to figure this shit out just like you are. And so, um, but I think, you know, clients really appreciated that. Like there was almost like a transparency that that was automatically there because we were both, we're both experiencing, you know, the pandemic, we're both experiencing white supremacy, we're both experiencing economic distress. And, um, and so I think that it made for a much more open and like connecting experience um, that I don't know would have happened without the the pandemic. Um, but yeah, my approach drastically changed because I'm figuring it out too. And sometimes I just have to sit there and be like, yeah, it's fucked up. Like, I get it. Like, I get it. And I don't know. Um, and, you know, what do we do with that? So do you, do you think with COVID, and I think you kind of just signaled this, but I, I was going to ask it, with the issues that we're facing in this country um, in terms of racial inequality, did COVID help by magnifying it? And although it's maybe messed up, was this what was needed to be done to get it out for us to move forward and, and start driving change that we've, that we're all striving for? Did this help? Did it help? Um, it sounds awful to ask if COVID helped anything when it ruined literally everything. And I, I get that, but yeah, I just kind of curious because it makes everybody take a step back. So, yeah, I think that, um, yeah, I don't think we could ignore, we, we couldn't ignore it. Um, I think, you know, it's always been there. I think, you know, I want to answer this. Um, because what I'm thinking about is, yes, we've never been in a pandemic before like this, right? In um, like lived history, right? Um, however, I'm just wondering if there haven't been moments throughout history over the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years where there's been this pinnacle of like um, uh, just a lot of unrest. Um, and I guess I'm, I don't know, I guess I'm just thinking like there have been, to me, there have been maybe these moments in history um, And I don't know, 
I don't know if it would have been any different with with uh, the pandemic, maybe. Yeah, because it 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 always seems like when it comes to racial issues, they get swept under a rug. Right. Oh, this is this is a big deal for five minutes. Sweep it under the rug. And COVID, you could have almost said the same thing because COVID would take all the attention. Well, we need to we need to worry about this. Then we'll get back to that. But Mm -hmm. to me, it kind of seems like it fired people up more in the past year Um, because to your point, we couldn't do anything. We were stuck inside. So hopefully people were educating themselves. Hopefully were people were doing different things. And of course we had a whole political thing as well. So to your point, it was just all messed up, but yeah, I was just curious on your, your feedback there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was probably the perfect storm. Like I think that there was, you know, a lot of stuff that was, you know, transpiring, Currently, the last administration uh, did a great job at setting fire, you know, um, this kind of smoldering fire the last four years. Um, So, yeah, I definitely think that I definitely think that. Um, And I also think that the people were. um, Were ready for change after the last administration, like I think that. There was just, um, you know, such a divide and such um, an emphasis on um, division and on separation um, that I don't think it it definitely contributed. Absolutely. You were going to have to make a choice with the last election. A lot of people stay, try to stay in the middle and neutral when it comes to politics. And the the last administration forced you to pick a side. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Brianna, let's talk a little bit more about the the broader aspect, because you mentioned having a broader view in terms of working with your clients. And while you might have one issue come up, you're trying to get a little bit deeper and figure out what the the foundation is and what the reasoning is behind that with the racism and the socioeconomic inequality that's in America today, like you were saying, that could be very draining on families in the outside world. If they lost their job, if they're just dealing with racism as, you know, black, brown, any person of color, how do you see that playing itself out in the family? And what do you do to try to put in safeguards or work on things with um, people in those families to reduce the outside impact of, you know, all that negativity that's out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, awareness is huge. Uh, and that's what I base, you know, a lot of my, um, my goals around therapy uh, is to allow people to gain awareness. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, when I see individuals, families, couples, um, a lot of it is, um, you know, because of such the the outside stress and the anxiety, I think that that trickles in and people are stressed out in their personal relationships. There's a lot of conflicts. Tensions are high sometimes. Um, and so creating a space, a safe space um, where people are able to recognize the stress that is being placed on them systemically, but also how that shows up in them, right? So their own individual process around how they manage their own emotions, what their thoughts are, 
Um, and then also how that shows up in their relationships as well. Um, awareness is key and is, is key in anything. Um, and without that, um, we're kind of dead in the water. <laughs> um, so, so that, that is, that's kind of what we do. Um, and that also promotes healing. That also promotes an ability to be able to shift one's thinking um, and also to engage um, the system on, on our own terms, right? So the more that we are able to understand white supremacy, the more that we're able to understand patriarchy, the more that we're able to understand, um, you know, all of these different isms, um, that allows for us to take back power and also to engage these systems how we want to. Um, and that is powerful. Um, yeah, that's powerful. Do you have any projects or anything that you're working on into the future um, that you're going to be taking part in or doing or? Yeah, so I am currently putting together um, a racial healing conference um, that's going to be taking place um, late summer, early fall. Uh, and the goal for that is just to provide a space where um, Black folks and other people of color can come and can um, get poured into and can begin the process of working through some of the racial trauma that folks of color experience on a daily basis. Um, so um, with that, providing a space for um, white folks to do their work around um, white supremacy and to um, really get involved with um, anti-racist work um, because that's what it's going to take um, in order for us to continue to dismantle white supremacy and interrupt that cycle. Um, so that's one really big project that I'm super pumped about. Um, I'm constantly doing um, different trainings about um, white supremacy um, and especially how it shows up in therapy um, and with different um, clients and things like that. Um, can can you expand on the the white supremacy that you're seeing in 2021 amongst clients? What what does that look like in in today's world, sitting here right now in 2021? Mm. White supremacy looks like to me, um, hmm. perfect example. I was uh, having a conversation with um, a colleague, a colleague in the field, um, and this person was white, and they had asked me, um, "Is racism that big of a deal? Like, or are we making it?" a big deal. Um, and I was like, 
I don't understand what you're asking me. <laughs> like, like what, what are you asking me right now? Um, and they were, you know, they went on to say, you know, well, if a black client comes in and they say, you know, race isn't that big of a deal or it doesn't impact me or whatever, um, then I shouldn't make it that big of a deal. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Um, and to my point, I said, it is always that big of a deal. Like, you can't ever separate the two. Like, you can't not talk about race when you're talking about a client or when you're thinking, um, you know, how you're going to intervene with a client or even on the street, right? You meet a person of color. You can't not think about their blackness. You can't not think about um, how they show up. Like, it is a part of us um and so that is how i see one way how i see white supremacy showing up um you know i think that another way that i see white supremacy showing up um <clears throat> is just around i think uh, i think um Steve, maybe you had made the point of in the election you really had to take a side like you had to really pick you know one or the other um, and I think for the most part that that's true. And I think that, um, what I've seen is I've seen, um, white folks, um, say, oh, well, I voted for Biden. Like, I'm good. Like I voted for Biden, box checked. Uh, I'm down for the cause. Like, let's move on. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Um, and so that's how I, that's another way that I see it um, in these very subtle um, ways. That's a, a great point, Brianna. And I think it's interesting that you brought up the, the idea of checking that box or just getting something out of the way because, you know, doing things to be an ally, you know, there's definitely steps that people can take, but, you know, it's an ongoing process. It's an ongoing struggle that where I wasn't like Biden got elected and racism ended. And I don't think anybody's expecting that to happen. Um, so, you know, I, I think like you said, it's just people having that mindset, it, it just closes them off to so many opportunities to do so much more and have such a broader impact and, you know, have that real genuine impact going forward. So I, I'm glad you mentioned that. I did want to ask you about, you know, focusing on your, your future conference and the idea of gearing some portions towards white people. Let's talk more about building allies and those family, those stressful family situations where, especially in white families, they might be more used to the old days, more comfortable with the old days and keeping racism around isn't a huge issue with them. And, and the racist things that are in our society aren't a problem to them. They don't see it as a problem. For example, people still fly the Confederate flag and they still like to look at the Confederate flag as something of patriotism or heritage or whatever they want to use to justify flying the flag that has been used by the KKK and other white supremacy groups throughout our history. What does that work look like for you in terms of talking to people who want to be allies, but their families aren't really geared that way and they're just feeling that struggle and divide building? Yeah, 
and they don't want to lose their family, but at the same time, they want to do what's right. It's scary. It is, it takes a lot of courage. Um, and if you are going to be committed to anti-racist work, um, understand and know that it comes with sacrifice. Um, and that's something that Black folks and, and other people of color have been doing in this country for centuries. Um, and so, you know, it is, it's easy, you know, for white, white people, individuals um, who are not intentionally trying to dismantle um, anti-Blackness or, or white supremacy. Um, it's easy to um, perpetuate if you're not being intentional about it. And so I have that conversation um, all the time with my white clients. Um, how are you actively dismantling white supremacy? What are you sacrificing um, in order to dismantle white supremacy? Um, how are you understanding the ways that you are perpetuating and benefit from white supremacy? Um, and And let's have a conversation about that because I think that is the real work. That is the real conversation. Um, but yeah, like, you know, you challenging the status quo, whether that be the larger society around white supremacy or whether that be individual family members is always going to, um, a lot of times be met with conflict because you're brushing up against the system. You're, um, creating change, you're creating a different motion. So yeah, that's what this, that's what this work is. Um, and it comes with loss, right? But it also comes with great reward and, um, and fulfillment too. But like if you're really willing to stick in it. It's just doing the right thing, right? So I think, uh, yeah, like white individuals, it's it's a struggle on that component, especially. I mean, we all have people that we saw really like the previous administration. And you're like, really, I wouldn't have thought that from you. And you start to see like true colors coming out. So if there's one thing we can take from that administration, it's very easy to cut individuals out that are filled with hate because that check in the box just because you voted for Biden, I check the box. Well, people that really, really rep Trump that didn't really have political ties, but all of a sudden just really liked the guy. That's just really true colors coming out. That's, that's what that is. That's calling a spade a spade. So um, yeah, communication is going to be key because education is very easy. If you can't educate yourself, especially in the past year with recent events that have happened, that's the easy part. Communication is always going to be the most difficult portion of this ongoing fight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, um, <clears throat> I forget who said this and I'm paraphrasing, but I put this on my Instagram. Um, but something along the lines of, you know, um, racism isn't the shark in the water. It, it is the water. It is the ocean. Um, and so I think a lot of times we think about um, issues of white supremacy 
um, issues of patriarchy as being um, the shark, right? As being something that we can hone in on um, without the understanding that it is the water that we are in, right? It is in everything, every fabric, every fiber um, that we touch, that we are in, and it is that insidious, right? That even if you are on your, you know, anti-racist shit and you are like reading and, and doing the work, it is that fucking insidious that you can perpetuate it and not even know it, right? Just because it's a, it's it's in the water, it's it's everywhere, um, and so that's why the work becomes that much more crucial, um, because it is there's no escaping it um, on some levels. And so, with that said, how do we combat that? If you're talking about taking on an ocean, not just a, a shark or two, how do you, I guess I could say, let's make it personal. How do you go about combating this? I know you're out marching this past summer. You're active in your everyday job, speaking to clients about it. So what are other things that others can do? Not only you, but also others can do to combat that. Um, I think Steve, you said education. That is key. Like you, um, you know, I educate myself. I'm following, you know, people who are big in the anti-racist work. Um, I'm reading their literature. Uh, I'm also reading stuff from um, individuals who have done this, right? Old timers, right? Individuals who have done this stuff that I'm trying to do. Um, That's big. Also, you know, I have to and have really began over the last, I don't know, couple of years, maybe four or five years, really started to heal my own racial trauma and understanding how um, my experience as a Black woman, um, while as great and phenomenal as that is, also has its own trauma. and my own wounds that I um, am becoming aware of. And so that is the other part that I am actively trying to do is to heal my own stuff um, so that I can be more aware of how to um, continue active, continue this activist work, but then to also use my voice um, and also help heal and bring up other individuals Um, that's it too. Uh, for the white folks, I would say, get you some black friends, uh, and get you some friends of color. Um, this whole token, I got one black friend or I got one black cousin. It's not cutting it. Um, get you, get you some black friends, um, and listen, don't say anything, just listen, um, and bear witness. And, and be open. Um, and for Black folks, I would say get you a great support system um, of individuals who are healing their own traumas and who are also understanding racial trauma and striving to um, 
to live a life in the best version of themselves. So surround yourself with those uh, individuals uh, because representation matters. Um, that's it in a nutshell. I mean, I could go, I can go on and on <laughs> about what I'm doing. <laughs> um, but those are the top ones, I would say. That's great. Yeah, I was just thinking because, you know, you were kind of talking about some things earlier and that kind of spurred up to me that thought. And then I was also thinking, you know, you had alluded to this, but really thinking about and diving into stereotypes as part of your therapy, um, especially when you're talking with people from other nationalities, when they approach a black person, is that something that is more apparent now in your day-to-day practice than prior to, I would say really the social unrest coming out of George Floyd that really got people to another level, I would say. I think so. Like, I I think that, um, yes, I think that definitely that was a catalyst, but also I think what I'm seeing too is that um, within my clients, um, of color, there's a almost like a solidarity that I'm seeing. Um, and I don't know if this is true for, for other therapists, but for, um, I'll say my black clients that I, I'm seeing, you know, we're processing the um, events that happened uh, in Atlanta, the, the murders of the, the Asian Um, women that happened in Atlanta and there is a clear solidarity there um, that there um, is uh, an understanding and a um, like we stand with you right we support you Um, and I think I'm seeing that more um, since the events of that kind of transpired last summer is just a collective solidarity between um, groups of color where maybe historically some of that would have existed, but I think that there is beginning to be an understanding that um, white supremacy impacts us all. Uh, And if we are divided amongst ourselves and uh, and amongst us as people of color, then we are just pawns in the white supremacy and we continue to perpetuate that. And so I'm starting to see um, the shifts, um, especially around stereotyping, right? These stereotypes that we have of other communities, um, but just a, a larger understanding that we're all in this. They're killing us <laughs> just like, you know, they're killing black folks. They're killing Asians. They're, you know, like it's where we are in it and we have to, um, and in order for us to survive, we have to be together. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. It is always collaboration is key, strength in numbers, and, you know, realizing that everybody deals, especially people of color, everybody deals with the same struggles when it comes to racism and just the systemic racism that's affecting America. Brianna, we've seen, and I know we're getting ready to wrap up pretty soon, but I wanted to talk about mixed families. And we've seen a lot more families, whether it's black and white, black and Hispanic, white, you know, whatever the combination is, their cultural melting pot of America is continuing to grow. 
and the diversity is continuing to get out there. How does that, as a family therapist, how does that impact you? How does that change your approach? You know, how does that, how do you see that play out in, in your day to day? Yeah, I think that that's, I think that that's big. Um, you know, my, my husband is Mexican. And so we, um, we talk about, you know, what it's like to, um, for him to be mixed race and also, you know, um, the struggles that come along with that. We talk about, um, my own biases, right. Um, that I brought in just assuming, um, um, maybe almost discounting his Mexican heritage in some ways and just kind of being like, Oh, no, you're, you're just, you're black. Right. Um, and so, um, talking about his experience around, um, the complexities of his identity, um, has been helpful in, in our relationship and, and crucial and even raising children who are, um, you know, both black and Mexican, but to recognize and honor both sides. Um, and that is what, that uh, is what I bring in, um, with clients that I see, um, who are in interracial, um, relationships is how are y'all talking about this? Right? Like, how are you understanding, um, your partner's experience? How are you understanding their struggles? How are you understanding um, what they have to do to show up and survive in this world? Um, And so it's really important to have those conversations. Um, Because I think that that creates um, a space where true kind of like relationship intimacy can grow trust um honesty connection is in the understanding of the other person's experience um did I answer your question adam no that definitely adds to my question i, I appreciate you giving your personal perspective and you know with emily and i emily's white and you know having that conversation we've had so many more conversations now that we didn't have them before 2020 but you know obviously founding the the committed collective and, and putting that together and, and all the additional conversations that we've had since 2020 um it's, it's been very impactful on our relationship and you know definitely help bring us together like you said because you're having those conversations and like you mentioned earlier you're not always able to answer why or explain stuff that is just completely illogical unexplainable mm-hmm. hatred but just even trying to bridge that gap and, and enter into that communication i think has been very helpful for us and you know it sounds like that's something that you key in on with your patients and your clients to make sure that they're mm-hmm. being transparent but at the same time you know being open and and honest about what's going on so they can try to address those situations yeah yeah i think it's about being accountable right so that's the that's the big thing right whether or not you're talking about um couples <clears throat> or families or white supremacy or you know interracial relationships it's about can you be accountable um for how you show up in the world and the impact that it has on another person 
um, that's the name of the game, right? We, I don't know if we'll ever dismantle white supremacy. I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm gonna try my damnedest, right? Until the day that I die, but I don't know if we can. Um, but it is about, you know, can you be accountable for, for that? Um, and for, you know, how that shapes another person's experience and how that impacts another person's experience. Um, I think that that's really all that uh, a piece of what therapy is about is being accountable um, and being um, kind of transparent and owning your your shit, right? Like, that's what it's about. Um, and so, yeah, I just want to add that because I think that that's crucial. No, I'm glad you added that. Um, and, you know, like you said, it's just a constant struggle. Who knows if we're ever going to get all the way there, but you know, there's a lot of things, a lot of progress that can be made along the way. Uh, we definitely appreciate your time. I know it's it's getting laid out your way, but we really appreciate you being on the show. And as always, we do like to end with our action items and final thoughts. But before you give your action items, you know, tell the audience where they can find you, if you're on social media, how they can connect with you, if they have more questions and want to reach out. Yeah, so um, I am on social media, just Brianna Toddy. Um, so you can find me there. Um, Facebook as well. Um, I have a um, my private practice page, Choosing Destiny, um, on Facebook. Um, please feel free to email me with questions or thoughts. Um, I'd love to have that conversation. Um, my email is Choosing Destiny. Uh, today and that's the number two uh day at gmail.com um and so i welcome i'm all about the conversation um but those are the main ways that you can reach me that's great we'll make sure to post that on the show um on the show page to make sure everybody can see it and, and get in touch with you really appreciate that so let's get into the action items for everybody uh, Brianna, what are your action items going forward? What are the things that you're focused on? You mentioned the conference. What are the things and your next steps? Mm-hmm. So the conference, um, that's the big one coming up next um, next year. So um, I would love to, the closer we get, kind of get the word out to you guys. And, uh, you know, hopefully it will be in person and we don't have to be doing the Zoom stuff because <laughs> quite tired of that um yeah um so that so that's one action item um also in the Pittsburgh community um I am kind of coordinating some um a back to school drive um in July for the for um the students um in the Pittsburgh area and um also doing some partnering with uh, some local organizations um, to hopefully kind of combat some of the disparities and things like that that we are seeing um, in in black and brown communities. That's great. We definitely will be uh, supporting you in every way we can with the conference and other things you have going on. It sounds like you have some great work. So any way we can help and collaborate with you on that, we look forward to it. Awesome. Thank you, guys. This was great. This was great. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) No problem, Steve. What about you? Action items. 
You know, Adam, I think uh, I think mental health is is going to be such a strong focus this year. And I think, you know, we've been community. We've been encouraging people to get out, speak out, eliminate hate. But we also have to take time for ourselves to make sure our mental health is there. And then, you know, check on your friends and family too to to kind of press them. I think one thing we can all do better is is exercise and eating healthy. That gives you a really good opportunity. Um, you know, I'm not trying to brag, but I I will real quick. Adam, I hit a PR on my Peloton uh last week on my 50th ride. Uh not quite up to your status, Mr. Pelotoner. Uh, I see your ranking. You're like in the top 1000 people in the world. So hopefully Sunday I can get up to that level, but just encouraging people, mental health. It's, it's real. If you, if you need help, ask for help. If you just want to talk, you want to pick up the phone. I tried to FaceTime you yesterday at midnight, Adam, and you didn't answer when I needed you the most, but, uh, (laughs) I think I actually missed when you called me back, but, um, yeah, that's mine. That's great. Steve Byron. What about you? Can I just ask to go before Steve from now? Yeah, on? next time. I just made a note. I put a note there. I just made a note to myself and wrote it down. So don't worry. I got you next time. Man. So for me, I'm just going to stick to uh, one of my goals for 2020. And I've been trying to just keep a more clear head, a more centered head, and just not elevate and get myself ele- elevated and get my energy wasted on people that I don't need to waste my energy on. You don't have to go to 10 with everybody. You know, you can just turn and walk away. It's easy enough to walk away, relieve some stress off of you. So um, that's my thing. Don't let, don't sweat the small stuff. Um, Continue to move forward, press forward, obviously fight for what you need, but um if it's something where you can easily walk away, just walk away. It'll keep you centered, keep you uh, more sane. Thanks, Byron. Uh, that definitely was much better than Steve. So I will we'll go with you first <laughs> next time. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I would just say, you know, piggybacking off everybody, things are going to start opening up again soon, but let's not lose the focus that we gained over 2020 in that time that we we're able to really start to put extra emphasis on the things that need to happen in the United States when it comes to racism and inequality. So, you know, as things start opening up, more meetings start happening, just go to those meetings. Don't lose focus on what we're working on here. But on that note, for uh, Adam Stone, Steve Kerwin, and Byron Hazley, Brianna, thank you again for being on the show. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you would like to learn more about the Committed Collective or any of the initiatives that we're supporting currently, please connect with us at the underscore committed collective on Instagram or on Facebook. If you'd like to ask any follow-up questions of today's host or guest about our conversation, feel free to email us at info at the committed collective.org. Be sure to also subscribe to the podcast so you can stay up to date on our topics, information, and other events. If you'd like to join the collective, You can follow us on Instagram and join us on our Slack community. Remember, you can take an active role in your sphere of influence and champion change now.